Lord, we look to you now and we thank you for your grace that has been revealed. And so I just ask God, would you come and, and let our hearts feel that grace and that love today and the power that you have to transform our lives and um, the world around us. We open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Complete this sentence. America runs on Oh, Jesus. Okay, okay. Good job. Yeah. America runs on Duncan, okay? Uh, this ad campaign has actually been going on now. Does anyone want to take a guess? Wow, okay, so everybody knows that. All right, yeah, 10 years. Very good. Apparently, you guys are up on your random trivia facts. Okay. It started in 2006, and it's still going on now. Um, there's a new ad campaign that's, that's called Hashtag... No one knows, right, because it's not quite as successful. I'll let you look that up, okay? Um, you all kind of know the, the ads that they've run, right? America, and really it should be New England runs on Duncan, or even more so Massachusetts, where it started, and where there's like one on every corner. You know, they're hard workers. You know, they're passionate about their job, and they want to, you know, they, they, they want to get through their day and, and, and just kill it every day. And so the way that they do that is by going to Dunkin' Donuts, you know. They get that coffee and that bagel slash sandwich slash donut, and it carries them through the day. They're powered in. They're happy. They're excited. They're working hard. They're getting a raise. They're, you know, they're killing it in the job. You've seen the commercials, right? It's fueling them up for their day. The question that I want to ask today is, what do people really run on? What really keeps us going? What really moves us along? I'm, I'm assuming, as you can tell, that it's not really Dunkin' Donuts. And secondly, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, what is it that keeps the church moving forward? You know, what is it that, that helps the church to accelerate the purposes of God in whatever situation that it's in, whatever region, whatever area? So to answer these questions, we are going to look for the next four weeks at a little book in the New Testament that I think people often avoid. It is the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now, this book was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul, or St. Paul, and it was, uh, it's an interesting book. Paul, in the book of Acts, you can read in chapter 17, in the first couple paragraphs of that chapter, Paul planted the church in Thessalonica. It's a Greek city. I think it's now pronounced a little bit different. It's like Thessaloniki or something like that. It's in East Greece, on the coast. And uh, Paul traveled there during his second missionary journey, planted this church in a matter of three weeks. It says in Acts that he was there for three Sabbaths in the synagogue, kind of debating with the Jews and presenting the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Now, it's possibly could have been there a little bit longer, but there's some persecution that arose because of that, as you, if you read the narrative in Acts, and he had to flee to Berea. So maybe he was there for a month or two, but... You know, he was at least there for three weeks, and it was a short time. 
Now, the interesting thing is that, as we're going to read today, is that this church was, was doing well. And they responded to the gospel message. There was, there, was, there was a church that was planted in a short period of time that became strong. And the distance between when that happened and when the letter was written is actually also very short. It might have been less than a year of, of time when Paul wrote this letter to the church. It could have been maybe a couple years. And it, of course, that's all speculation based on when scholars think the book was written and when that event in Acts happened. Okay, end history lesson. So again, the question is, what does move us forward? What fuels us to get through our day or what fuels us along on our journey of life? And what is it that does the same thing for the church? Paul is going to talk about this because he's writing to a church that he didn't get to spend a lot of time with. And he wants to focus on what is going to propel this church forward. So here's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, which is where we're going to be today. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. This is like Paul's hearing this from other people. How you turn to God from idols the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. What keeps us going? What fuels us along in addition to Dunkin' Donuts coffee? What moves us forward throughout our day and in our life? What fuels us? We run on faith, hope, and love. We run on faith, hope, and love. Faith is trust. It is trust in something, some belief, or a person. Hope. Hope is longing. It's a longing for something in our hearts. It's a desire, a yearning after something that is, that is coming down the line. And love, right, it's affection, care in relationship. Now, I would argue whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, these three things are core parts of your life. This is what we run on. What we believe 
it drives all the decisions that we make. Everything that we do comes out of some, some form of belief system, worldview, way of thinking, right? or even trust in people that affects the way that we live. If I have a general belief in my mind that people are bad, that they're no good and they should not be trusted, I will live a life that is guarded. Kind of like a lot of New Englanders. Right? It's a little hard to get through that initial wall until they know that you're safe, that you can be trusted. If on the contrary, I'm from California and I believe that people are generally good, I will trust them and be open to new relationships. Okay? Okay? Nobody's from there, I guess, so... People are friendly out there, okay? They're just a little more happy, okay? It comes from, it comes from what people believe. That, 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 that's, just, that's not just a random thing, like everyone that's happy moved to California, and everyone that was a little bit like, you know, get out of my way, beep, is in New England, okay? It comes from belief in the core of who we are, right? Um, two weeks ago, on a, on a Tuesday, a week and a half ago, I spent some time with a guy that is a, a, a pastor, a leader in our movement named Joe Ewan. And uh, I, I had him for kind of for the afternoon, and then he was going to speak in our Vision and Values course that night. So I said, hey, I'll give him a little flavor of the North Shore. I'm going to take him to Appleton Farms. It'll be great. We'll walk amongst the hills and frolic in the cow pasture and, you know, dodge the, you know, the patties. And, and I just thought, hey, this is a great picture. It's a beautiful area, and, you know, it was a beautiful fall day. And I just, you know, I thought, this is, this is going to be great. So we went for a long walk. We walked all the way from kind of the back parking lot over to the store. If you've been to Appleton Farms, I got, you know, I got them a bottle of water. We walked back. It's kind of a long walk. And uh, we got back to the car, and this woman approached me and said, oh, I, I, you know, I'm so sorry about something. And I just, like, had no idea what she was talking about. And turns out, she's like, oh, there were some, some break-ins in the parking lot. And, and she said, it may have been your car or something. And I said, so I walked over to my car, and, and lo and behold, the passenger window was broken into. And uh, they had stolen this guy, Joe, his bag. And I was just like, I didn't take him to Lynn. You know, like, like I brought him to Hamilton. You know, like, like and that's, that's no diss against Lynn. It's just, you know, there's probably a little more crime there than there is at Appleton Farms. But apparently that might not be true because I called the police. They left. They had already been there, and there was three cars that had gotten broken into, and you know they left a little thing on my on my windshield, and and there's and there's been multiple break-ins there. So if you're going to go to Appleton Farms, park near the farm store. Okay. So all that to say, I had a belief that turned out to be incorrect. Belief that hey, the car's fine. We're at Appleton Farms. You know Joe's iPad and Bible and journal, and you know thank the Lord his passport wasn't in there. I didn't even give a second thought to it. But that was not, right? That was not the correct belief. But it still was the belief that drove me to take this guy that's from out of town for this one afternoon to this place because I just thought, hey, it's going to be a great, great time. Right? What we believe directly affects what we do. Now, the second thing that's core to our life, okay? We are relational creatures. Just watch the movie Cast Away, Right? You've got to have a Wilson, right? We need to relate to other people. That's a huge part of our life. That's what brings us joy. We're longing for relationships, romantic relationships, deep friendships, right? People that have got our back, we want that. 
Two of the most intelligent animals that there are are ravens and crows. And one of the the key differences between ravens and crows is that ravens are actually pretty uh, isolated birds. They mostly are kind of, they travel around by themselves. You'll see them by themselves. They're a little larger than crows. Their beak's a little different, and their wing pattern is actually slightly different. Just in case you you are, a as the the Brits call, a twitcher. So a bird watcher. Okay? Like me. Okay. So... um, Pity laughs are helpful, just in case you're wondering, all right? Crows, however, are hugely social creatures. Now, both birds are very intelligent. You can search on YouTube and see all the cool things that they've gotten these birds to figure out and do. But crows travel in flocks. When you see one crow, there's a good chance there's a few others around. They stay in family units, and sometimes they travel in huge, like, masses of this probably interconnected, really complicated, and messy family tree, okay? But that's what crows do, and that's who we are. We are crows. We are not ravens, right? We are social beings, and we've been created for a relationship with one another, for connection. Now, the last word here that I'm arguing is what, is what drives us, is what fuels us, is hope. Hope is often what's in our minds of what we live for. It's the, it's the weekend. It's the summer vacation. It's, okay, the trip to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, right? It's retirement, which most of you in this room are probably not thinking about. But it's those things that we say, okay, I, you know, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just, I can't wait for X. That is how we often live our lives. We're driven by hope. So if I can just get through this semester that's really hard, I got 18 credits. If I can just get through this week of work when I had to stay late and there's a lot going on, if I can, if I can just get to retirement, we're hoping for something. We all live out of a place of hope for something. And guess what? What happens when we lose that hope? We lose the fuel. We lose the drive. And it's often hopelessness that leads people to a place of despair and, and even potentially, you know, taking their own life. My son Sam is turning four tomorrow. And there's been a lot of hope around this birthday. Okay? He has been anticipating this for months. Because he's just getting to that age. I think at three, he kind of got it. You know, it was exciting to open some presents. But now it's like, it's clicked. Like, it's my birthday. This is about me. I am going to get presents, and they will be awesome. Right? So we've been talking about this, you know, for, for a long time. And now his brother is kind of catching on to it. And he's like, yeah, my birthday too. My birthday too. His is in March. Okay? It's like, okay, sure. Yes, it's also your birthday. Right? But... It's, it's, it drives us forward. It's, it's things that we anticipate, right, that moves us. It's fuel for our lives. So what's the problem? All right, great. Faith, hope, and love. Everyone's got their system of faith. Everyone's got some things that they hope for in their life. Everyone's got some love flowing around them with deep relationships and a wonderful marriage, and everyone loves you in your place of work. Right? Okay. So there is a little problem. And the problem is that we don't always experience those three things in the way that they were meant to be experienced. Right? The problem is, as you may have noticed at some point in your journey, 
human beings are not always all that loving. You may have also noticed that the things that you hope for, like you got there and it was kind of like, that was good, but what's next? What's the next thing that's going to that's gonna be that I can anticipate and get excited about and, and can kind of drive me to keep moving forward? Or even thinking through kind of, you know, what you believe. The whole, the whole idea of faith and belief. Is it leading you to these, this, this place of, of kind of fullness? And here's what the Bible would say about all that. It would say that Jesus is our hope, our love, and our faith. That we were created for a relationship with God. That our whole way of thinking would be the way that God thinks. And our, our, whole, our whole trust would be placed in someone that can ultimately and always take care of our needs. That we would receive love from God in such a way that it would affect the relationships around us and allow us even to love the people around us in a powerful way that transforms them. And to have a hope in life that is totally guaranteed and also completely fulfilling. That is the message of the Bible. And so this is what Paul is doing in this letter. He is reminding the Thessalonians about their faith, their love, and their hope, their ultimate hope. And as we work through this book, you're going to see these three things weaved throughout the book. Now, Thessalonians is a short book, but it has a ton about what Christians would call the second coming of Christ, like when Jesus comes back. And we're probably not going to get into a lot of specifics about that, but the point is that Paul is, is, is making is there is a hope that is coming and is sure and is good. It is totally fulfilling. It is going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. It is going to fill your life with the ultimate amount of joy and gladness, and it is a guarantee. Right? And throughout the book, he reminds them of love. You're going to see in this book the relational connection that Paul talks about as like brothers and sisters and fathers. He was a father to them. Even in the midst of like this short period of time, there was depth of relationship and this deep connection of love and the affection that Paul feels for them. And ultimately also, of course, their faith. He's reminding them of their faith, of what they've believed, of what their, what their, 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 their certainty is in. So here's this sentence that Paul throws out there and captures these three things. And even in this paragraph, he works back to them. He says, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says right here, their faith has led to work. What they believe is influencing what they do. And their faith has spread. Amazingly, for this young church, he's talking about how their faith has been known in the surrounding areas and even goes so far. I mean, it's an exaggeration and hyperbole. He says everywhere they're talking about it. Incredible for a church that had this guy come in for like three weeks potentially, maybe a couple months, that they are now growing. It's because they've held on to this faith that Paul gave them through the preaching of the good news of Jesus. He talks about their love, their labor of love. 
Now, Paul uses two different words here. He talks about kind of the work that comes out of their faith, these actions and deeds that they do. But then he uses this word labor. It's like this word for turmoil or struggle. And don't you know that is where the hardest work always is? It is loving the people around us and getting the fact that God loves us. That is the labor. Men, as I say that word, you're probably thinking, yeah, you know, digging a ditch or doing something like that. And women are going, no, childbirth, right? You know what that means if you've had a child. Like, labor is not easy. That is what love is. It is a labor of love. That is not to say that it is not good. It is the best thing that there is. As Paul mentions in another letter, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. It is the greatest, and it also requires the most from a church, from a group of people to get it right. And this is why when the church is marked by love, it transforms and spreads. It advances. It is fuel that moves the church forward. Why is the church in America struggling so much to grow? Well, ask the average person if the Christians that they know in their life are marked by love. Now, I'm not speaking a condemning word over the church in America, right? We are the bride of Christ in addition to the rest of the church all over the world. But this church is getting love right. And in a short period of time, there is acceleration of the gospel around them. So yes, they're holding on to this faith, but they're also doing the hardest thing, which is loving one another and those around them, and it's causing acceleration of the gospel. It's moving them forward. He says their love is an example. They've imitated Paul, right, who's shared with them. They're getting the love of God. experienced it in the beginning, right, through the power of God in their midst. And it's causing acceleration. And the third thing here is is hope. This is a church that was immediately facing persecution. If you read that narrative in Acts 17, the Jews in that region stirred up persecution against Paul. They kind of latch onto this guy, Jason, who it seems like part of the church or maybe all of it was meeting in his home and they bring him before the authorities and they're They're all mad, and Paul, they end up sending him away that he flees, and then the Jews chase Paul to the next city. So it's like, there's right from the start, it wasn't like there was a kind of a fun yay period. It was was serious right from the outset for them. But what has kept the church advancing is the hope that is sure in Jesus, right? Not only that if they die, and Paul will address this later in the letter because there's some confusion theologically for them about what happens if someone's died before Jesus comes again, right? But not only that if they die, they'll be with Jesus, but that Jesus is coming back to restore all things. That is what keeps them persevering through a difficult season. Paul says elsewhere this this funny little statement. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is the core 
of what it means to follow Jesus. Not too long ago, I, I, uh, this is probably, I think maybe two years ago at this point, I had a realization that birds were awesome. I went to the Ipswich River Wildlife Sanctuary for the first time. Someone had, had tipped me off to it, and my family and I went, and it, we, you know, we were told, bring some bird seed, and you hold the bird seed out, and the birds fly right into your hand and eat out of your hand. It's absolutely incredible. Chickadees, nuthatches, and if you're lucky, you can get a tufted titmouse to do it too. They're a little more timid. But it was in that moment that I was like, wow, birds are awesome. You know, I, I, my, my thinking, my belief about birds, I just always thought, there's a bird, you know. It changed, right? It changed the way I behave, and this, this affection started to build towards birds, right? Where it's like, oh, man, birds are awesome. And so now I started, I started to notice them. Like, it's changed my behavior. Like, I see a bird flying, and I go, what's that? You know, I'm curious to know what it is. Uh, Yesterday, after our, we had a little workshop on physical healing, prayer, and afterwards, Jade said, hey, you know, take a, take a paddle on the Ipswich River. So I went down to the Ipswich Watershed Association. You can buy a membership there for $40 and take a canoe or a kayak out anytime you want. Shameless promotion there for them. Uh, it's awesome. My wife got me that for my birthday. I went out on the river, and on Monday, I had gone out once, and I saw a kingfisher. That is a sick bird. Like, I don't know if people use that word anymore. Okay. I'm not quite hip on the lingo. It's an awesome bird. They dive into the water and like catch fish. They're beautiful blue colors. They've got kind of a white breast and really cool wings. And I had seen him on Monday and I didn't have my binoculars with me. So I brought my binoculars this time and I was hoping to see him. And I was like going up the river. I went a little farther than I'd been before. I was driven by hope. I was propelled up that river you know, kayaking, trying to get away from the other group so they wouldn't be noisy and, like, scare the birds away, you know? I was driven by that hope, and I, and I encountered the bird again. You know, I saw him, and I was trying to get an eye on him on the binoculars. But there's this whole shift that's happened in my life from this realization of the coolness of birds and this love for birds, right, and changing how I see and interact. And then it's, it's driven me into this, this future hope of encountering different cool birds, like a golden eagle. That would be awesome, okay? All right. The point is, this is how it works in faith, right? In our walk with Jesus, we begin with faith. We begin our relationship with God by trusting him, saying, God, I trust you. That moves us to a place where, as we talked about in our last series, we fall in love with God. That that is what the Christian life is all about. As we learn what God is like in the Bible, we trust what it says. We trust the truth of the gospel and what it says about us. That leads us to a place of love, of a passionate relationship with God. And then that leads us to knowing, and yes, that is the person that is coming to restore all things in this world. And if I die before that happens, I'm going to be in eternal bliss with him forever. That is the Christian life. And that, guys, is what moves us forward as individuals, and it's what moves the church forward. If we get faith love, and hope right, we will see acceleration of the gospel in this area. We will see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. And this is why we start with the gospel. There is a progression. It starts with faith, through hearing the word. So let's just review what that is. We cannot 
hear this enough or share it enough. It is three words. It is relationship, brokenness, and restoration. You can use this to share it with somebody else. We were made. God, the Bible says this is the narrative of the Bible. God made the world and he made it good. He made us to have an awesome relationship with other people, for there to be love all over the world. He made us to have a great self-image and even love for ourselves. And He made us to love the world itself, to make this world look like heaven. The problem is there's brokenness everywhere we turn. And the Bible doesn't shy away from that. The Bible says this world is messed up. And the reason it's messed up is not because God's not powerful and not because God's not good. It's because He made us free. Because he wanted true love and he made us free and we turned away from him. The problem with the world is people. God gave us authority over this world and we rebelled against him and that allowed sin and darkness and brokenness to enter this planet. There's a third word though, which is restoration. And that is because God is love, because he passionately loves every person on this planet, He became a man. He entered into the darkness of this world. And let me tell you, it was dark when Jesus became a man. Right from when he was a baby, people were trying to kill him and they murdered all kinds of babies just to try to get to him. It is a dark picture that the Bible paints that Jesus entered into. It was not a bed of roses. And we see throughout the life of Jesus, even though he is preaching love and heaven coming to earth and showing us the way to live, people killed him but God turned it around. And it was the victory of God with Jesus dying on the cross, taking all the sin of the world upon Himself, becoming a curse of the law, right? Taking all that into Him, into the grave, defeating death. He was raised in newness of life so that anyone that calls on the name of Jesus would be saved from their sins, would receive not just forgiveness for everything that they've ever done, but also freedom in the resurrection of Jesus to now live a new life. And not just that, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is the gospel. The gospel is that God is love. The gospel is that you can be forgiven for everything that you have ever done. That God will never hold anything against you again. There is no condemnation. There is no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't stop there. I'm just going to say it again. Those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. We got to believe that. The Thessalonians were believing it. They were only Christians for three weeks. We can beat them. Not that it's a competition. But when we believe that we are free, right? We reckon ourselves dead to sin. We renew our minds with the truth, even if our experience doesn't match it. Even if we are, feel like we are, we're a slave to pornography. Even if we feel like we can't love our family members very well. Even if we feel like we're stuck in X, Y, or Z, we continue to reckon ourselves and say, no, I'm dead to sin. No, I am dead to sin. The old has passed away. I do not have to give in to any temptation that comes my way. The Bible has a promise in front of me. Right? With every temptation, there is a way of escape. I am not a slave to sin. I do not have to sin. That is a powerful message that the world needs to hear. That we can be a transformed people. The more we believe that and renew our minds for it, the more the world's going to see us living free. And it keeps going. We are filled with the Spirit, the very Spirit of God, the one that raised Jesus from the dead. 
The Bible says if we put our faith in Jesus, lives in us. Like the one that created the world, the one that speaks matter into being is inside of you. And as the Bible says, those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. God has married you, never to be divorced. He's united you to himself. He's welcomed you into the fellowship of the Trinity. That power is inside of you. You can pray for someone to be healed and it can happen. You can declare a miracle to happen and it can happen because the Spirit of God is inside of every believer waiting to be released through our faith. Man, that's good news. The limiting factor, guys, the limiting factor is our faith. If we believe the message, if we believe what the Bible says is true, and that's why we're here, because it's hard to believe, because our experience doesn't always match what the Bible says, but the Bible trumps experience, right? What God says is true. Let God be held true and every man a liar, right? And faith in the gospel always leads to love. It always leads to love. If we're not seeing love in our life, we've got to take a step back to the beginning and say, hmm, there's something that I'm believing that's off. There's some lie about God. There's some lie about myself that I am believing. Instead of believing the truth about God and about who he says that I am, that's leading me to a place that's not love. So when you check kind of the love, the love, you know, Dipstick, sorry to use that word. It's just in my mind. I can't get any other example. Okay. You check the oil on your car, right? When you check that and you see there's, it's not quite full, it's because there's something wrong over here in faith. And as we move into that place of love and encounter with God, he becomes our ultimate longing. That as we talked about in this last series, it's God's presence that we long for. It's seeing Jesus face to face that we get most excited about of anything else in our life. This is the core of what moves us forward and what moves the church forward. And guys, when we get this, it accelerates things. It accelerates the gospel. Now, I have to say, if you're not a believer, I would argue that not every faith system leads to love. And in fact, the Bible makes the argument that it's only those that are born of God that love the way that God loves, which is the bar is loving your enemies. That it's only those that are filled with the Spirit of God that have the power to love even enemies. The way that God loves them. Now, a simple example of how, you know, not every faith, faith system leads to love would be Nazism. So before you say, hey, every faith system's cool, all roads lead to God, everything's good, that's not good. That did not lead to love. What they believed did not lead to love, and it was a false hope. Let's look at ISIS. I'm not seeing a lot of love flowing from that organization because it is a false belief, right? It's a belief system that is not leading to love. And the Bible's claim is it is Jesus is the only way to love because God is love, because Jesus is love. He owns love. Everyone that loves, love comes from God, the Bible says. Right? So what is the result 
when we feed on faith, hope, and love, when that becomes our fuel, the church runs on faith, hope, and love. And when we do this, the church, the growth is accelerated. This is what the book of 1 Thessalonians is about. It's about people getting these basic things right. Because when we do those basic things, when we continually are looking at our faith and say, what am I believing? Am I believing the gospel? Am I really believing all of that? Is it flowing into a life of love for everyone around me? And is my hope ultimately in Jesus so that nothing in this world can shake me? Because I know that that's a guarantee and it's my ultimate fulfillment and hope. Right? Let's have the band come back up. As I share this closing story, we had a, a training day for some of our leaders, faith group leaders and other, a few Saturdays ago. And we shared this gospel presentation that I share with you today of, you know, relationship, brokenness, and restoration. And also kind of how to lead a, a little discovery Bible study, how to lead people that are interested in following Jesus through a Bible study to help them encounter Jesus on their own. A girl that uh, went to that training, a woman, a young woman, presented that to now eight different people that, from my understanding, are not followers of Jesus, that I believe are also in college, in her university, and are now meeting to encounter Jesus. Right? When we believe, wow, this is the gospel and it has power and it motivates us to love people and invite them into something as simple as, would you like to study the Bible with me for a few times and see what the Bible says about, you know, whatever, or the teachings of Jesus? And the hungry people respond to that, right? So that they can encounter the hope of Jesus. When we do that, it accelerates, right? That went from one person to eight others. Now, this is not a condemnation thing. It's just when we get it, when we get the faith and the love and the hope, right, that, that trajectory, it will accelerate the progress of the church around us. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, I had to force that one out of you. So here's what we're going to do to respond, okay? Why don't you stand up? We're going to sing one last song. And as we sing this, um, I think maybe the question is, okay, well, what do I, what do, I do with that? The place to start again is faith. The question to engage with is, hey God, is there something about you or something about me that I'm believing that's blocking the love in my life and you being my ultimate hope? So it's a simple question I just invite you to ask the Lord as we, as we sing. And if you want to receive prayer from someone, you can come up. The prayer ministry team will be up on the sides. But let me pray. Lord, we want to believe the fullness of the gospel. And for every person in this room, including me standing here, there's pieces we don't really believe. And so, God, what is it about you, about ourselves, about the truth in your word? What is it? I pray you would just highlight it right now, Holy Spirit, in our hearts. What we need to turn away from, what we need to hold on to, to believe is true and not let go, even if our experience doesn't match it. Holy Spirit, come speak to us. Build in us as a people faith, hope, and love, I pray in Jesus' name.